requests that the organists play the nature Christ for us to feel that we are truly risen with Christ tonight. Please.
for having journeyed with us through the period of fasting, of prayer and abstinence, and today bringing us to the tomb with the women to see that indeed the body is not in the tomb and that Christ is risen. Indeed, I'm sure that we are all filled with exceeding joy at this great celebration. And I want to take the opportunity to say a big thank you to the rector and the staff for inviting me to celebrate this very special Easter Vigil Mass with you. And I also want to acknowledge um, the Reverend Deacon Dominic Eche, who was one of the first students I taught here in the seminary. It's a matter of great pride for me that he is here as a deacon to serve at this Mass. He was an excellent student in New Testament Greek. Excellent student. Exceptional. And remember that very clearly. So, beloved, today we arrive, uh, and congratulations to him, of course, for the beautiful singing of the exuberance. Beloved, we are so much filled with joy as we arrive at the tomb. And as you know, the readings that we've taken. For tonight, are from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, in fact, reading from verses 1 through 12. As I was reflecting on the Gospel, I said to myself, this doesn't seem to be the Gospel for the seminary, because it's a women's Gospel. And as you can realize, the protagonists in the reading are three women. Uh, Mary Magdalene, who appears in almost all the resurrection accounts um, together with another woman called Joanna tonight and a third woman who is called uh, Mary, the mother of James. So really three women are the center of what we are celebrating tonight who go to the tomb to go and see whether the Lord is there to embalm him, okay, to bring spices and bound. That's the meaning we listen to. Now, what is interesting to me is that we, we actually know these women. Um, at least two of them. We read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, reading from verses 1 through 3, especially verses 2 and 3. We actually encounter at least two of them. Mary Magdalene. In fact, that's the passage in which we are told that she's a woman um, out of whom Jesus had driven out seven demons. We know Mary Magdalene. Uh, the other woman is called Joanna. So in the reading that we read today, she's only mentioned as Joanna, and that's it. But if you go back to Luke chapter 8, reading from verse 3, we are told that she is Joanna, not just Joanna, but the wife of Herod's steward, chooser. So that's what we know about her. And the third woman, of course, is um, a woman called Mary, the mother of James. These are the three women in question. Now, what do we know about them in Luke chapter 8, verse 3? We continue reading that passage, but what it tells us is that these were women who 
where would Jesus, as he was in Galilee, pursuing his Galilean ministry, and what they were doing was to take care of Jesus and the disciples out of their own means. So these were women who were ministering, who were ministering to Jesus, taking care of their daily needs, I suppose food and you know any other things they needed. That was their ministry. So they are to the ministry of service. That's what makes it very, very interesting to us. Women who were serving. In fact, what they were doing is diaconia. Diaconia, deacon. So they were doing. So that is, that is what um, for us is quite significant. Now, what is equally interesting to us is that you remember that um, there was a time that Jesus would go to the house of Mary and Martha, remember that story? Luke chapter 10, reading from uh, 38 through 42. And it says that when Jesus arrived there, um, Martha was busy doing Martha, Martha. And Mary was sitting quietly, listening to his word. And Martha started complaining, Lord, why don't you tell my sister Mary to come and help me, you know, with the chores? And we are told, Jesus told Martha, listen Martha, you are busy about so many things, but Mary has chosen the better part. So remember that story. And these women, if you like, they were, their ministry was like that of Martha, taking care of Jesus, taking care of his needs, and so on. It was a beautiful ministry, though. That's what they were doing. And in today's reading, from Luke chapter 24, and I want to focus especially beginning on verse 6. It says that when they went into the tomb and they saw two men, you know, in dazzling clothes, the two men asked them, why are you here looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember what Jesus told you when he was with you in Galilee? Don't you remember what he said? I know, they didn't remember. They didn't remember. How were they supposed to remember? They were taking care of the food and the drink. They were doing Martha. Come on. That's ministry. Remember what Jesus was saying? That he would die and rise. No, he was talking to the apostles. They were doing Martha. That's their ministry. And see, they were so much involved in that ministry to the extent that even after Jesus had died and they saw him die on the cross, they were still taking spices to go and bow him. That's what they had been doing all the time. Before then, their ministry was about service, about the economy. And even when Jesus had died, they, they continued. They were in auto, you know, mode to do their diaconia. So that's what we're doing all the time. To the extent that when Jesus had been given them indications that he was going to die and he was going to rise, it went through one ear and left through the other. And what we are reading about today is the realization of these women that there is something deeper and something greater than they are called to.
And that is the ministry of proclaiming the word of God. And in fact, as you can see, these women will be the first ones to whom Jesus will entrust the message of the resurrection to go out and let everyone know. In fact, they are the ones who go and tell Peter, the chief of the apostles, and Jesus is with them. And in a certain sense, um, all of us find ourselves a little bit in the image of these three women. And even though I began by saying that this seems to be a women's gospel, you realize that it's not really so. All of us, from time to time, are so busy doing so many things, running helter-skelter, that the essence of what we've been called to do, we always forget it. And by the way, it's not as if we are doing bad things. No. They're serving. agonia. To the extent that they don't have time to listen to what Jesus was telling them. We all know how sometimes we come to Mass and we leave. And later on when we are asked, well, what was said at Mass? We only remember philosophy and a bit of the Greek. But the word which is dwell in our hearts is not there. That is the message. But you see, I want to suggest to you that these three women whom we have spoken about, Mary Magdalene, the second one, Joanna, and the third one, Mary, the mother of James, each of them represents us in a very specific way, in a very interesting way. And each of them represents some of the struggles and some of the obstacles that we face in making us become all that Jesus wants us to become. And let's begin with Mary Magdalene. We remember that this is a woman um, as we read in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, from whom Jesus had driven out seven demons, according to the story. In fact, this woman's name, Magdalene, in the Greek, Gadal, you really want to translate her name, common woman's language, common man's language. You call her Mary the big woman, the big dog. This is a big woman. She's the person who perhaps has resource, the person who is rich, the person who could do so much for God. And yet, she has spiritual inhibition, things out of this world, the seven demons. The perfect storm, spiritual storm, prevented this woman from being the big thing that God wanted her to be. And that reminds us especially even as we've gone through the season of Lent, that one of the most fundamental things that would limit our apostleship and the realization of what God has called us to be are spiritual realities. When I think of spiritual realities, when I think of spiritual things, I'm talking precisely about evil and sin. That's the first thing that is going to inhibit us from becoming all that God intends that we should be. 
So that's very matter. Spiritual reality preventing this woman from becoming all that God intends her to be. And by the power of the resurrection, we know that we shall be delivered from those spiritual realities. Now, the second person that we encounter is this woman called Joanna. And we are told that she is the wife of Herod Stewart, whose name is Chusa. Again, here is a, a very important woman. Well-connected socially and politically. But you can imagine the wife of Herod's steward going to be an apostle when Herod has already chopped off John the Baptist's head. Now even by the time she's coming, people are running out of the window. So the social environment, her political standing is going to be an obstacle for this woman to realize all that God desires in this life for her. That's Joanna. She's the image of those of us who sometimes, where we find ourselves in society, becomes an obstacle, becomes a blockade. Sometimes it's from the family that you come from. All these things in pain limit us so that all that God intends that we become is not fully realized. And if we are not careful, remain in our obscurity, in our diaconia, without becoming those apostles, effective apostles that Jesus wants us to be. That's the second one. Remember the first one, the obstacle was a spiritual thing out of this world. The second one, a social, political thing in this world around her, inhibiting her from becoming who Jesus wants us to be. And the third one, and that one is a woman called Mary, the mother of James. And we really are not sure which Mary, the mother of James, this is. Could be James, some of our fails, maybe James, the elder in Jerusalem, maybe. But of course, the most popular James we know in the scripture is James, the son of the John. I want you to imagine for a moment that this is the mother of James, the son of Zebedee. Remember her very well, don't you? The one who came to Jesus and said, Look, let one of my sons sit on the right and on the left, isn't it? I remember that there was a storm after that, okay? All the disciples got indignant and angry with James and John. Why do you want to sit at the master's right and left? And so on and so forth. So you can see that she is not really popular among the disciples anyway. This is the one who is going to take the message. And you see, the third inhibition and the third obstacle can come from within and among us, even in the church. From brothers, from sisters. I've just been imagining this today as I was meditating. Some people who are called to do things in the church, and yet because somebody is talking about me, because somebody is quarreling with me, because somebody has said this about me, has done that about me, I don't even want to do it again. 
Kan kapan sih mencampai zaman So that God has called us to be of a certain positive influence here. And yet because the class leader said this and said that, I recoil. And yet, this woman with a history that she had is the one that Jesus calls and says, you are the one to take the message to Peter at the bottom. The three obstacles, spiritual realities, social circumstances, but even among us in the church. The militate against us becoming that who Jesus wants us to be. But on the night of the resurrection, the good news is that all these three obstacles have been overcome. And these women emerging from their diaconia, from their kitchen, and our place in the forefront of bringing the gospel even to the apostles. And to the end of the world. Let the night of the resurrection remind us that there is no limit to what God can achieve with us to the extent that we are available, to the extent that we are willing, to the extent that we are ready like these women simply to say yes. And that even in our brokenness, which we have become so conscious of in the season of Lent, God has still chosen you. He still sent you. He still appointed you as the one to bring the message of the resurrection to the nations. We pray that tonight, the message of the gospel and the power of the resurrection will strengthen us as we go forth to proclaim Christ is risen, is risen indeed. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless us. Amen.